Welcome to Successful Student Transitions, a time to thrive. Life is full of change and resulting periods of transition. And some of life's big transitions begin as students, as they move through the educational process and then on to the world of work or further education, university and independent living. If students can learn how to thrive through these transitions, they'll acquire invaluable skills that will help support them through a lifetime of change and transition. So if you're a student facing some life transitions or an educator or parent supporting students through these times of change, then this podcast is for you. We share insights and suggestions to help students thrive in a world where change is the only constant. Welcome to Successful Students in Transition, A Time to Thrive. In this podcast, we're going to be discussing school strategies with Gail, who is an experienced teacher and assistant head who has a professional and personal interest in student transitions. Gail is aware that transition takes up a huge part of the school calendar year, with students preparing to enter school or get ready to leave at the top end of school. And because of this, All teachers need to be informed to support students and parents. Transition is for everyone. Gail shares examples of intentional support for students and parents and how teachers are involved. She also talks about her own transition from school to university, where she moved from a place of settled and success to a completely new world where time and effort was needed to re-establish herself. She knows that transitions can be tough. It's one of the things that drives her commitment to support young people manage change. When listening to Gail, what resonates with you? What are you already doing to support transition in your school? And what could you add to help students and parents thrive in transition? In the series, we're talking with students and professionals about school transitions. And I'm really fortunate to welcome Gail today. Um, And Gail has a wealth of experience of um, transitions, both in school and maybe of our own, if we get to talk about that. So, Gail, would you like to start off and telling us about what your role is in school and maybe about how that came about? Yeah, sure. Um, Thank you for having me. Um, so I am assistant head at Weatherby Prep at the moment, um, so Central London All Boys Prep School. Um, I've worked in the independent sector for about 11 years now. Um, I started as an untrained teacher, all in sort of boarding house tutor, etc. at Cheam, which was a, a boarding prep out in Hampshire. Then I moved to an entirely different scenario uh, sort of setting, which was yeah, professionally an enormous change, which was an all boys senior school, day senior school, which was Hampton um, in just on the edge of London. And then following that, went to my current role um, as assistant head. So I've done sort of prep, I've done senior, my heart's very much in prep, which is why I've, why I went back to Weatherby. Um, I've done co-ed, I've done all boys. Um, yeah, and so, so my role now, um, I actually applied for a totally different role <laughs> at the school, um, but um, my head at the time um, sort of saw that I had quite a lot of experience um, of working with the prep to senior school transition side of things at Hampton. Um, I was assistant head of year seven and was quite involved with admissions. 
um, which I've always really enjoyed. I've always really in, sort of, yeah, just really enjoyed that side of things. And so my role at Weatherby was created and essentially my primary responsibility there is guiding families and our boys through um, through the 11 plus and 13 plus and, and other stages, um, sort of future schools choices process um, alongside our head who obviously does um, the, the sort of sort of leads on that as well and then um i do sort of the other side so as well as doing the exit i do the entrance so i oversee seven plus and eight plus admissions um and the occasional place admissions work as well so it's really nice actually because it's a good juxtaposition to see them at the very beginning and then sort of uh, sort of help them with their end trajectory as well yeah so ins and outs beginnings and ends yes. and, you know, yeah i think you're right and to be able to see that kind of process about how people settle in in that transition and how then you help them with that unsettledness towards the end when they're leaving. So, um, yeah, that sounds really nice um, and really important. I mean, wh- why is it important to do that? Why why is this this job that you've got? Wh- why have schools set it up like that? I think, I think it used to be the case that it used to be a bit more... Um, simplistic the first first of all I think it used to be simpler to sort of find a school um because I don't think it used to be quite as madly competitive as it is now particularly sort of the London day school scene it's it's crazy how competitive it all is but I think as education has progressed and people no longer sort of see academic as one side pastoral as one side and they don't connect at all I think I think we've moved past that people see that a a good education is one where everything is integrated and and we understand that you know pastoral issues are going to affect academic performance and um you know people children are going to perform academically better in certain situations where they feel better supported and and we sort of have a more holistic approach I think because of that it's meant that there is a greater demand for not a greater demand but a greater responsibility from a school's perspective to ensure that you're helping families send their children to the right school. I don't mean that there's just one right, because I don't I don't believe that there's just one right school for every child, because that would be <laughs> a lot of pressure. Mm. Um, and and you know, I think I think there's lots of great options, but it's about understanding the child as a whole child and the child um, and, and sort of the family as well and what the family want, what, what works for the family and their family life. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think we've developed a more sort of, yeah, holistic responsibility in that sense. Um, and I mean, it's not just us. I mean, there's so many. I've, I've really noticed it like on LinkedIn, for instance, recently, like the amount of sort of people adding me who work for who work as independent educational consultants whose entire sort of career is built on just this, just advising people. Um, and I don't, until I went to Weatherby in my current role, I don't think I realised it was such a such a monumental sort of uh, sort of thing for people. But of course, it's you know your children are your most precious thing, and you just you know you want to make the best decisions you can for them. So yeah, Ab- absolutely. And finding that kind of good fit. Mm. It's not just about the whole child, I think is a really interesting thing because there is a person in this process or sometimes there's lots of people because parents are often going through a transition as well. If, you know, it might be their first child that they've had leaving you or the last child. So they're in that transition as well, aren't they? Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I think you're right. It's important for a whole raft of reasons. So 
when you're thinking about how you're planning these things in school, have you got a kind of timeline, Gail, when you're thinking about, okay, this is the time to be doing this and these are the times to be doing that? So are there kind of phases of, of things that you're doing to welcome people in or kind of see them out at the yeah, other side? Definitely. I mean, it's um, it's been interesting, actually, because I've been on maternity leave this year and I sort of feel like, feel a bit guilty almost going back at the time of year I'm going back because I'm just sort of walking back through the doors at the calmest point of the year um I've really missed you know the the pinch point which is September to February March really um which is from an admissions point of view um we begin sort of uh finalizing registrations sending out information about exams and things to parents um and then we have we, we sort of for prep and seniors the admissions tests tend to be kind of um sort of January time um so that's and then, and then obviously um from a senior school perspective a lot of the results start to come out kind of January well you could interviews then results sort of January February so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of practicalities that need to be managed at that time um I think it's a really interesting time there as well, because um, whilst I'm busy, you know, doing a lot of the practical element, I think what's really important is that, um, like you said, we don't forget there's people at the centre of this process and there's a lot of emotion to be managed at the time. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of disappointment. There's a lot of excitement. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a very uh, it's a very sort of demanding time emotionally. And I think that 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 is also the time where the the sort of the academics sort of team plus the pastoral team really come together to do a lot of a lot of work on supporting our boys who are perhaps going out to sit exams go for interviews etc but also we do a lot of work kind of liaising with our pre-preps to support the families there who are obviously hoping to come to our school and yeah, so th there is a timeline. It sort of all just kind of gets slightly mashed into a very <laughs> hectic epicenter for about six months. Um, but so, yeah. So, yeah, so it sounds like autumn and spring terms are busy preparing people for where they're going next. Exactly. And, and maybe that's that summer terms preparing people to come in. Yes, exactly. And I think what's really, I think. The, the balance to be struck is often actually the beginning of that autumn term because you have so many new children in the school, but really quickly at the beginning of the autumn term, we have this, you know, the ICB pre-test for, for our year sixes um, and, and that crops up, you know, really by October half term. So not only at that, at that sort of early stage in the autumn term, are you welcoming in all the new children and trying to get them settled and, um, that would be very much responsibility at our school of an amazing team of form tutors and heads of year who, who do that so so brilliantly um but then you're also you, you're also preparing these children for looking exactly like that to, to look into the next stage which yeah can feel like a lot of balls being juggled I think all at once definitely so you were, when we were saying that when you were talking about those things I was thinking like every term's transition time yes. time you know <laughs> pretty much yeah <laughs> but also heartening to hear you've got a transition team. So you're not doing this when there's a team of people who are all kind of working on this kind of 
on these kind of things together. Yeah, and I think I think we wouldn't even necessarily label it as like a, a distinctive sort of team of people who do it. It's just it's integrated really to every single member of staff's role. Like I think every mem- every teacher has a responsibility when it comes to transition because you're either preparing children to leave us whether in an academic sense, a pastoral sense, you know, you know things like practice interviews what have you or your welcoming children in and you're and you're trying to get them used to the ways of the school from something as small as kind of this is how we write the title and the date in our books Mm -hmm. and it's really important that we all do it this way because that's the the weatherby way that we do these things to much more complex things like you know children who are struggling to perhaps establish friendships and so on and I think yeah I my feeling is you know that's that's the way that transition works the best is when everyone everyone sees buys into it and sees that they've got a responsibility and I think in some ways in a middle school essentially prep schools a middle school it, it, it's just inherently entrance and exit focused so it's not a long time five years so I think people do understand that it's just part of the role I think that's a really quite a far, powerful thing to say that it's integrated in into the role that it's part and parcel what everybody does Mm. everybody's got a a view on somebody coming in or somebody's leaving yeah yeah really really nice what do you what do you enjoy about all this transition work um that's a good question I I love helping families find a next stage that they are positive and happy about and I love seeing the children leave with a genuine sort of genuine belief that they're going to a school where they'll really thrive um so that's the thing that I really like um knowing knowing that they're going on somewhere where I think they're going to do really really well I think the side that actually you know sort of conversely the side I find quite hard is when when that's not the case if I ever feel that they're kind of going to somewhere where I think oh I'm just a bit nervous about that and and because you know it's difficult I don't agree with every single parent that I see about what where their children should go and so on and um that can be for a variety of reasons um and ultimately there is it's their child you know it's up to them and and their child and you know, I can have my thoughts on it, um, but it's not up to me. And so I suppose sometimes I feel like nervous, um, although I'm very happy, you know, that sometimes like often I'm proved wrong. And I think I also really like, um, I really like identifying boys at the junior years who I feel are, um, I mean, we're, we're, we're very sort of we're selective to an extent all of the boys in our pre-prep get a place at our school um we are you you know we we don't just take the most academic children in London or anything like that so we have a pretty diverse range of children that come to us in terms of sort of their talents and so on which I really love and I love sort of identifying the children who are going to be able to contribute to our school but in loads of different ways not just oh he's going to be a scholar when he gets to year nine or anything like that more you know, this kid could be, we, we write our feedback sheets for our admissions and I love going through them because there's quite a big team of people involved in doing workshops and so on with the kids. And I love reading about the boys where they say he just has such lovely manners. He was such a polite boy or reading about the boy who had came armed with like three different jokes that he told to everyone all day. And like those kind of kids. Um, and so, and so looking at the kids that have something else to offer as well other than just you know you know they'll they'll be very smart or they'll be incredibly talented at sport or whatever so yeah I like being able to see how we'll keep the kind of 
happy mix that we have in our school going definitely it's it's one thing that I have an eye on to a bit similar to you then Gail is that whenever I'm working with someone who's got a transition coming up or something I like to see where their strengths are Mm. you know and having a sense of humor transition is really you know lost again you know having that that sort of being able to have a sense of humor and use it in in transition times or being able to kind of get on well with people and be kind of seeing where your place is. So using strengths, looking for strengths, strength spotting and, and using strengths and transitions, I think is a really, a really lovely idea. Mm-hmm. What, what about anything from any of your own transitions about things that you've learned about transition? I don't know if you, you want to kind of share some of your wisdom on that, Gail. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of the reason that actually I ended up in teaching was, I mean, I just had the happiest time at school. Like I've I've always just like, I think my teachers, my mum actually hilariously sent me my old school report the other day and my husband was laughing at me being like, oh my God, you're such a nerd. Like you're such a goody giddy. Like <laughs> we were quite different at school. And I think it described me as like a blue stocking. It's a very like Mallory Towers kind of yeah. But I think like I, I did, I just loved it. Like I loved every minute of school. Like, and I was lucky, like I, you know, I was sporty. I did quite a lot of music. I did a bit of drama, like, I wasn't you know desperately cool but no one gave me any trouble either you know I was just kind of a normal happy involved kid and I think I I actually you know I, by the time I got to my upper sixth I was having the time of my life you know I was a prefect etc cetera, etc cetera. and I think and I always remember my dad saying because my dad uh was sort of head boy at his school and he was very similar to me like love school captain of rugby etc and I always remember him saying he's like you really, really can't peak now. <laughs> he was like, you have to get, you're going to have to get over leaving school. And it was actually a really, really sage piece of advice because I found that transition from school to university one of the hardest things I've ever, ever done. So I went from being in this this big boarding and day school where I was busy from literally from 7.30 in the morning till 9.30, 10 at night. And my feet never touched the ground. And I was just so absorbed all the time. And then I went and I did theology at university. I went to Bristol and it was, I actually like ha- to my second and third year, I really got into my course and um, my sort of friendship group became more established and I became much happier. But I found the first year so hard, like Freshers Week just was a completely bonkers experience I found. And I just felt quite like, where, where do I go to, for, to find my netball team where do I go to like play in the orchestra like this is all just you know I have four hours of lectures a week I think I had or something you know just absolutely nothing and it had all been just kind of served up to a plate on me for me I guess at school and so I found that transition very hard and I think I think actually that is a really big part of the reason that I I kind of do what I do is that I remember I just have this distinct memory of how difficult I found it like I was I felt like very, very unhappy, like initially. And I I was very tearful. I was like, you know, I'd gone from being this really confident person to like on the phone to my mum every two hours being like, this is so hard, blah, blah, blah. It was just just not really, you know, who who I had been or was. And I think because of that, I feel very like, I do feel quite committed into kind of prepare I, I loved my school but the one thing they didn't do was prepare me for university yeah. in the slightest yeah. um I had no idea what I was going to I just knew I was going to do a degree and you know great like I didn't really know what university life was like I'd never 
apart from my brother, but my brother and I are quite different characters probably in our, well, were at that age anyway, in terms of our approach and stuff. I'd never really, didn't have a sense of what I was going to. And I think if I'd been prepared, probably would have, you know, found it easier. Um, but so I think, I think that is kind of, that does influence me now is I have a real consciousness of being like, I want the children to know, to go to something that's right for them, but also to be prepared for what they're going to. Because moving, for instance, from like a small, cosy prep school where you've got 80 children in your year to a big, bustling, you know, senior school where there's 1,400 kids, like it's a totally different thing. Um, And it's, I do think it takes preparation and it takes awareness to manage it successfully. I think you're right. I think having that experience yourself of the shock of being somewhere that's just totally different and and the loss of all the things that were familiar to you and um, relationships and place and, you know, um, kind of responsibilities and things you had to start. It's almost like starting all over again, isn't it? So it is, I think it's a good thing to hold close to you and remember that that's that's why you're doing it because the kids who are going through to school are, are you're, as you say going from your school to a much bigger school so yeah. it can be a, if they're not prepared it could be really challenging yeah and, and I think it can also um I mean you'll know more than me like from a psychology background but my experience is that that sort of that can that can affect you and last with you in some ways like I still when there's a big change I still find that quite a big thing step to navigate and I'm sure part of that's because I was never really prepared for that an initial change and I'm much more self-aware obviously now but I'm definitely someone who finds moving jobs for instance quite a big thing like I don't just naturally take all that in my stride like I have to quite consciously kind of manage those those changes in my life like becoming a mum I had to like very consciously manage it and not being at work and so on and so I think if you're not prepared and you're, you don't have like a toolkit when you're younger it can, it can sort of last with you I think. I, I, I totally agree Gail and I think what Louise and I hope from this kind of series of podcasts that is that we help people understand the kind of common things that happen in transitions um, and then about how they kind of understand themselves to give them a kind of toolkit or a blueprint about this is how I manage transitions and to have knowledge and, you know, and skills to deal with it. So mm-hmm. I completely, when you're thinking of, when you're just saying there, I was kind of curious about, could you tell us maybe one thing or share one thing with us about how you might prepare kids leaving from you where you are to go to somewhere else? I think the number one biggest thing is speaking to other other children who've who've been through it, or other young people who've just been through it and been through it quite recently. Um, something that we do, and and I actually f- would like us to do more of. So the plan is to do a lot more of it, kind of particularly for our year six, seven, and eights. Is we get our old boys back, um, but like I said, I th- I do think we need to do more of that for our boys, and they they come home, they come they come back, and not just, oh, you're going to St. Paul's so you can go and talk to this boy who, who's come from St. Paul's. I think it could be anyone. You're going to a London day school, come and talk to this boy about what it's like to go to move on to a senior school. Because I can tell them all about what it was like <laughs> for me to go to university or whatever. But to be honest, that was like over 15 years ago, probably almost 20 years ago or something now, finally. Um, but, you know, it, 
and that's that my experience there is not not really that relevant to them to be honest in the same way that someone who left us two to three years ago who who also might have been the kind of character who was like you know some of them might have been head boy but some of them might be an opposite character and be you know like actually I was really like flew under the radar at Weatherby and this is my experience of being a boy like that and how that how my transition to Mm -hmm. St Balls or Eton or wherever they've gone is we had one of our one of our boys come back last year who uh, had gone on, I think he'd gone on to Eton and he came back to talk to our boys specifically about boarding and it was just brilliant and it was so useful. And then speaking to the boys afterwards, you know, they just found it so helpful because, because also what they want to know is like really basic stuff. Like some of them want to know, like, how does breakfast work? <laughs> like if I want toast for breakfast, you know, can I have toast for breakfast or do I, do, am I going to be told I have to have porridge every day? You know, like really, really basic things, but it matters to how they're, how they're perceiving their next stage. And so I think talking to someone who's really a peer makes, makes a massive difference. And and we do have um, house masters and so on come in as well, which is also great. Um, something actually, which I am, which I would really like to start, which I think hopefully we will, we will look to doing in the next couple of terms is also, doing it for the parents because it's an enormous transition for a family particularly for going say from a day school to a boarding school so I'd love to start getting um some parents who've whose children have maybe made the move to come in and talk to other parents about here's how it works as as a parent at this school um because I think it it is the, the transition isn't just the child it's a whole whole change for a family yes isn't it? and their kids growing up Gail yeah. I think that's a Fantastic, because I know you have buddies in school when people come in, but this is about buddies when they're kind of leaving and they can get a picture about what life might be like wherever they were going next. So a really lovely thing to share with us. Thanks. What other kind of what other things do you think you do well as a school? We've heard of lots of different things about it being something that every every staff member has an eye on. Um, Any kind of other bits of advice you'd say oh we've learned this does works really well or whatever what what would you kind of what other things might you maybe three things that you'd say then um I think in terms of boys joining us I think having one person who's a buddy is really really important yeah but (laughs) making it really clear to the child that to, to both the buddy and the new child that that's not you know some of the boys take it so seriously which is so lovely but it's making it clear to them that that's not exclusive to making other friends mm-hmm. and kind of encouraging them so whilst we will have a central buddy there will potentially be certain events moments in the day where they won't be together which we think is quite healthy so that the child then makes other friends and also because we might give the child we'll give the child child a a buddy who is a boy who we think is a nice friendly boy fairly responsible etc doesn't mean they're going to necessarily get on and have a you know budding friendship or or whatever so I think we are quite good at sort of saying this is your buddy but we also prep all the boys to say so and so is joining your class please everyone be really friendly Tommy's going to be his buddy but that's you know everyone needs to get can kind of get stuck in with him and I think that makes a really big difference Mm. I think the other thing we do really well is I think we really work I think we really embrace families at our school I don't think we just shut the door (laughs) I don't think we say oh great your kids here bye and we just you know shut our front door and and that's it I think actually we have um I think we have a fairly open door policy with our parents and the kind of the benefit of that is we have a very strong PTA very strong class rep 
sort of um, situation that they're all very, and we have very positive relationships between the parents and the staff um, and very open discourse with them. And I think that really, really helps with the settling process because I think the parents feel, we always talk about like the Weatherby family. Um, and I think it is actually a really powerful piece of rhetoric because, because I think it is really important that the whole family feels embraced by the school and like they're part of their child's new start um and they they can call us if they want to find out how they're getting on you know they can email us if there's you know something that they want to talk about and and so on and I think our staff also are quite good at kind of um setting boundaries of that as well so they're not you know we we obviously would rather they weren't sort of on the phone at midnight (laughs) to a parent who's panicking or something um but yeah, so I think we I think we embrace the whole family. So I think that's that's another thing. And then I think in terms of boys leaving, mm-hmm. um, I think the thing that we do well is I think we have again, I think the staff pupil relationships are very strong and the staff are very prepared to share their own experiences because we have staff that went to uh, day schools to boarding schools to private schools to state schools to grammar schools whatever and I think the staff have a very nice um sort of disposition when it comes to to sharing their own experiences and so on um and and I think that the the people that advise on future schools um I think really really know the schools we spend a lot of time going out and visiting schools we spend a lot of time getting to know uh the kind of ethos and developments within certain schools and I hope that means that the advice that we give is you know kind of effective for the for the family so they tend to leave us going to schools which we feel confident will be the a right place for them even if you know one one of many but you know you know probably a a really good fit for them um we don't tend to buy there there can be an element of kind of panic placing um particularly at sort of 13 plus day school london day school and i think we i think we do quite well to to stay calm in the face of all that and and really work at finding places at the right right schools for our boys i mean those these transitions are tough aren't they and with yeah that competition around especially in this kind of london bubble that we're in I, it can it can be tricky and just reflecting there really nicely when you're when you were talking i was thinking gosh there you're thinking about children you're thinking about you know in, the, in your body system for instance and then you're thinking about how you're helping the family set in and then you're thinking about your staff the you know the teachers being knowledgeable so a really nice cross section of kind of things in a system from individual children, families, and then your school to think about what you're doing well. Lovely to hear um, that, Gail. Is there anything else that you think that you'd like to say about transition or like, I mean, you've gone through your, a big one at the moment with your having a new baby and then going back into returning into school again. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's been a really, um, I just remember um, a colleague saying to me when I was about to go on maternity leave, he said, you know, I mean, I don't think he was saying that I'm not empathetic. I think I am quite empathetic. But he's like, he said, you'll become even more empathetic with the parents when you have your own child and you will understand why they can get so, you know, emotional about a lot of the, a lot of the, the stuff at school and particularly stuff to do with transition. And he's absolutely right. Like, you know, seeing my child go to, I mean, I'm very lucky, my, you know, so far so good. He seems to be at, you know, the nicest nursery, you know, they're all absolutely lovely, but it's been a real reminder to me 
of like how important it is to realize what an emotional and emotive topic it is for for people it's you know for us it can I, I wouldn't say we ever dehumanize it in any way I don't think we would ever you know be you know look at our boys and say cat scores example you know we we're not really like that um and I don't think many schools are, are really like that um but I think it's been a really important reminder that you've got to always remember that there's fundamentally a, a human and fundamentally usually a child at the center of everything you're doing relating to transition so you, you it's an enormous responsibility and you have to you have to take it as seriously as you know the parents would and and so on whilst also being realistic um and etc and I think it's about remembering to be empathetic I think it's so important that staff involved in any form of transition have the ability to be empathetic while setting boundaries obviously because I think there has to be an amount of like we'll take him now <laughs> he's gonna be fine yes. you know like let you know as the staff at the nursery probably needed to do with me on Monday like go go see you later um and I think yeah, but it's but it's having that awareness that of course this is a really emotional process, and and if you know people get emotionally invested in it, perhaps people might sometimes say things they don't mean in 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 these discussions and so on. I think it's about understanding that of course it's a really emotive topic, and we just have to try and be as patient and as calm and remind people that we're doing our best for the kids as much as we can. Yeah. So that human element back to all again, isn't it, Gail? That, you know, and often, you know, when we're working, when you're working with kind of young children as well, it's sometimes not necessarily their decision. It's maybe more an adult decision. So we have to kind of bear that in mind too. Yeah. Gail, I have so much enjoyed our conversation today. And I actually even got more questions I've been writing down to kind of ask and everything. But hearing about your school running as a as an education as a learning place and taking transition as, as really kind of integral to that is is a, a great story so um thank you for sharing that with us and um i'm sure there's more com- conversations to be had yeah thank you so much it's been really it's actually probably quite good for me to do it before I go back to work remind (laughs) remind me get my brain going again (laughs) there's a new place to go to and it'll be filled with different emotions that exactly excitement and nervousness that comes around yeah yeah another transition another day (laughs) (laughs) we never stop Uh, thank you again Gail very much no problem thanks so much Elizabeth We hope you've enjoyed the interview with Gail talking about whole school strategies. You might want to listen to all the other previous podcasts in the series, but especially podcast one, Beat the Transition Blues, where we talk in depth about the nature of change, transition and adjustment, and why struggle can be part of the journey to grow knowledge and resilience. Podcast four, What Matters to You, where we talk about knowing our values and what's important helps us carry us through challenging times. Podcast 10 is especially for parents, where we introduce ideas of how they can support transition in their child and frameworks to help them manage their own change and adjustment experience. 
please check out all the podcasts, transcripts and think sheets that you can purchase to dig deeper into the topic of transition and where we share more resources. And to access all these resources and also sign up for our regular newsletter so we can keep in touch with you, go to Louise Wiles, that's W-I-L-E-S dot com forward slash successful dash student dash transitions. And you'll find all the resources and links to this podcast there. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back soon with the next episode. Bye-bye for now.